I want to draw your attention to 2 Timothy chapter 3 this morning as we continue in our series together for the gospel. I'm going to read to you again uh, our vision statement. To join in gospel ministry in Southeast Grand Rapids, it's a God-glorifying, gospel-centered, biblically faithful, cross-cultural, justice-practicing Presbyterian church. That's our vision here at New City Fellowship. And we've talked about uh, being God-glorifying. We've talked about being gospel-centered. And this morning, we want to talk uh, for just a few moments about what it means to be biblically faithful. Biblically faithful. So again, turn your attention to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. Listen to, listen to these words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is the Word of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we do pray this morning, as we do every week, that as all of us, including the one speaking, sits under the authority of your word, that you would teach us, that you would speak your word into our hearts, Lord, and that you would give us faith to believe what you have said in your word. And we pray, Lord, that you would, by the power of your spirit, through your word, do that work in us, making us more like your son and our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray and ask this in his name. Amen. In the early years of their lives, we teach children in the church to sing the song, Jesus Loves Me. We, of course, want to impress upon them a central truth of the Bible for all those who hope in God, and to give confidence of the love that Jesus has for us. The song does not point to our belief. It does not, the, the song does not point uh, to our belief that it is so. It does not point to our feeling that it is so. It does not point to mama or daddy or friend or peer or pastor telling us that it is so. No, the song says, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. The truth of God's love is rooted in what God Himself has said in His Word. The Bible tells me so. I believe it because the Word of God says it. Now, I'm not suggesting that understanding what God says in His Word 
does not require faithful interpretation of the word. It does. I only want to impress upon us that the basis of our faith in life as Christians rests not in what we say or what someone else says, but in what God says in His Word. The Bible tells me so. And Paul, in training Timothy, who was one of his disciples in the gospel, points him to the same basis for his faith and his life that Paul himself had rested on, the Holy Scriptures. And he points Timothy there because Paul had come to understand through his own experiences that evil men, that is those committed in their rebellion against God, also had a basis for their faith in life. In this text, he speaks to evil men becoming progressively worse through their deceptions of one another. And in chapter 4, he tells us that the basis of those deceptions are the myths that people wander off toward. People turn away from God. They go about seeking explanations of life that will enable them to pursue their own passions. In other words, people want to do what they want to do, and they go about looking for stories that will support them doing what they want to do. Indeed, for lots of people, whoever tells the best story to support their doing what they want to do wins that person's allegiance. And what this means for those of us who carry God's story, who believe what the Bible teaches, what it means is that at times we will face persecution. It did for Paul, who reminds Timothy of the sufferings he endured in several places. And if you remember some of the stories that we walked through in Acts, you know the sufferings that Paul is speaking about, stoning, beating, imprisonment, and the like. And why? Why did Paul encounter all this? It was because people refused the story of the Bible. They refused the story of God. They chose, listen to me, their own stories or the stories of other human beings instead. And to defend those stories, they would do whatever they needed to in order to destroy God's story. <laughs> and even some who have professed Christ throughout history have wandered off at times to other stories in their hearts and have done great wickedness as a result. So what does Paul encourage Timothy to do, and, by, uh, and, and what does he encourage us to do by extension? He tells Timothy, verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and that from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Timothy, continue in the Word. Continue in the Word. Stay grounded in the message of the Scriptures, the message you were taught by your mother, the message you were taught by your grandmother, the message that you heard from me. And brothers and sisters, I want to impress the same upon us this morning. If we want to join 
in gospel ministry in Southeast Grand Rapids and beyond, then we must be a church that remains grounded in the Scriptures, grounded in the Word of God, a church that truly rests its faith and its life in what God says in His Word. And continuing in the Word, remaining grounded in the Scriptures, being biblically faithful, as we say in our vision statement, means believing certain foundational truths about the Scriptures. So what are those things we need to believe about the Scriptures in order to continue grounded in them? That's our final rule, as we say, (laughs) of faith and practice. The Scriptures are God-breathed. The Scriptures are God-breathed. Paul reminds Timothy at the beginning of verse 16 of the source of those sacred writings, those things he had learned from his youth, from his mother and his grandmother and his in his young adulthood from Paul himself. No doubt Paul has in mind the Old Testament, which found its fulfillment in the message of the gospel concerning Jesus Christ. And Paul reminds Timothy that the source of that Old Testament and that message of the gospel to which it pointed had its source in God himself. In other words, Paul wasn't calling Timothy to continue in Paul's word or to continue in his mother's word or to continue in his grandmother's word. Yes, they were all of them examples to him of what a life lived before God and lived now in the light of the good news of the gospel looked like. They were examples. Yet the word that Paul was calling Timothy to remain in, to continue in, was not their word. Rather, it was the Scriptures which included now the message of the gospel and would come to include the 27 books we now have in our New Testament together with the word spoken to those of old in the Old Testament. The Scripture, which Timothy had learned from the Old Testament and the message of the gospel, had its source in God Himself. The Scripture, says Paul, is God-breathed. Yes, God spoke the word to human beings and moved them to record those things necessary for us to understand His purposes for us and for this world. As the Westminster Confession of Faith says, the whole counsel of God concerning all things necessary for his own glory, man's salvation, faith, and life is either expressly set down in Scripture or by good and necessary consequence may be deduced from Scripture. And Paul tells us that the true author of that Scripture is God himself. And that was important for Timothy to believe and to continue believing. And it's important for all of us to believe as we approach the Scriptures as well. The question I would ask is why? It's because there are other stories. There are other messages that seek to define what brings glory to God. Other messages that seek to offer a plan of salvation for the human community. Other messages that seek to provide a rule for our faith and our conduct in this world. Paul had heard those alternative messages, and he had seen the conduct that often flowed from them, which led him to conclude evil people and imposters, those offering an alternative to God's Word, will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Paul wanted Timothy to know, and he wanted us to know, that in a world filled with messages that seek to define God, 
salvation, and conduct, there is only one message that is reliable, and that is the message of the Scripture, the Word of God, the sacred writings which have their source not in men, but in God. It was the Apostle Peter, Paul's colleague in the preaching of the gospel, who said to his audience in 2 Peter 1, no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And I long for all of you, for all of you in this church, to be students of the Word, because there is no more reliable Word than the Word of the living God. And in a world where you are bombarded with information, where you are constantly ingesting words, let the Word of God, which is the truth, rule over your lives. Amen, people of God. And the call here is to trust the reliability, of, the reliability of God's Word over the deceptions that are in our own hearts the deceptions that come from the evil one and those that come from the world around us. Indeed, it is to test the things our hearts tell us or that the world tells us or that those evil forces in the world tell us to test what we hear in light of the Word of God, committing ourselves to trust God's Word over our own Word or another's Word. It is to do what Paul is doing with Timothy just to remind each other that in the Scriptures we have a sure foundation because those Scriptures aren't our own voices echoing back to us, but instead they are the very words of God. Timothy was a disciple of the gospel, and yet he needed that encouragement. And I want to tell you this morning, so do we. We need the encouragement that comes from reminding each other of the reliability of God's Word. Pray for each other and pray for the church that we would not lose hope, that we would not lose sight of the truth that these 66 books of the Bible are in fact God's Word to us. The Scriptures are God-breathed. They're also profitable. It's the other thing Paul says here. They are profitable. They're profitable. It makes sense, of course, that if the Scriptures are from God, that they would be useful that they would be profitable to those who study them and seek to apply their truth to their lives. Paul is, in effect, telling Timothy, who is discipling in the ministry, who he is discipling in the ministry, that the Word of God is profitable for the work of ministry. If I could summarize these words, teaching, reproof, correction, and training, it would be to say that these are all activities that are involved in discipling people and what it means to be faithful followers of Christ. One commentator suggests that the first two deal with what we call our orthodoxy, while the last two deal with what we call our orthopraxy. That is, the first deals with what we believe, and the second has to do with how we live what we say we believe. And of course, the Bible does both. It illuminates the truth. And it shows us the life that is in keeping with that truth. It's what the psalmist says when he says, uh, when he writes, your, lamp, your, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It illumines the reality of where my feet are. And it shows me the path on which I should journey. 
Now remember what Paul says to Timothy here because he tells Timothy that he must continue in what he has learned. Paul isn't telling Timothy something he doesn't know. Timothy knows the Word of God is profitable for ministry, for building himself and God's people up in righteousness. The call is to continue in that belief such that one remains steadfast in building themselves and God's people up in the Word. And this is especially true when the myths seem to be gaining in popularity all around you, when the deceptions appear more attractive to folk than the truth, when people are rooting their identity, their meaning, and their purpose in historical lies about themselves and the world, when people are giving themselves to the defacing of their own humanity or the humanity of others, and when in all these things they are being rewarded for it, it can be difficult to maintain faith in the profitableness of the Word of God. We can start to believe that maybe the non-Christians have it right. Maybe we should live for our own happiness. Maybe we should live for our own pleasure. Maybe we should live for our own success. Maybe we should live for our own nation, our own people, our own future. But Paul reminded Timothy, and he's reminding us that profit is not to be found in the myths. It's not to be found in the deceptions of this world, but in the Word of the living God. The myths have an end, but that end is not righteousness, but an ever-increasing commitment to doing what is not right. If it is true righteousness that we are after, then that comes as we remain steadfastly committed to the Word of God. It will come as we continue to submit ourselves, our thoughts, our emotions, our conduct under the authority of the Word of God. If we do, we, could, we will continue to find that the Word of God is exactly what Paul says, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The call here is to trust that the Word is indeed profitable for ministry, profitable toward making us into the disciples Jesus has called us to be. It's to believe that as we apply the Word of God to people's lives, that is, uh, that it is really what the writer of Hebrews says it is. When he says the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and that it divides the thoughts of the heart. We sometimes think that we have to assist the Word in its work, that we have to help it do its job. But the writer of Hebrews reminds us that the Word is living and active, and Paul tells us that it is useful in building people up. It is profitable not because we make it so, but because it is so. And the call here is to trust it to be so, such that we speak it faithfully to our brothers and sisters and to those we are seeking to draw toward Christ. And this should be an encouragement to all of us who think, I'm not charismatic enough or smart enough or whatever enough to disciple others. You don't have to be charismatic. You don't have to be smart as the world counts smartness. You just have to be willing 
to submit your own life to the Word of God and to be a vehicle to communicate that Word of God to others. It's the Word of God that's profitable. It's the Word of God that does the work of building people up. Your job is to speak it. Your job is to tell other people about it and let the Word of God do its work. Amen, people of God. The Word of God, the Scriptures, Paul says, they are God-breathed. They are profitable. And lastly, they are purposeful. They are purposeful. Believing that the Scriptures are God-breathed, that they are profitable for ministry is important to our remaining rooted in them individually and corporately. But in his purpose statement in verse 17, Paul presents to us one more truth that will keep us grounded in the Scriptures. He, write, he writes that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Last week, we were reminded of a purpose statement that's attached to the gospel, which Paul relayed to the church in Ephesus. Verse 10 of chapter 2, Paul says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And speaking to Timothy, Paul tells his young disciple what builds us up in those good works. Indeed, what makes us complete or thoroughly equipped for good work? The answer is the Word of God. The Scriptures teach us those things that God considers good works. And it instructs us through the Old Testament and the New Testament stories and teachings how to walk in those good works, providing us examples of those who walked this journey before us. Paul, in fact, says in one place, speaking of the Old Testament, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through the endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Paul says in the Scriptures provide us with instruction. Instruction that if we follow it, it leads us toward hope. The expectation of seeing God's good flourishing in our individual and corporate lives through faith in Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, the good God calls us to is found in these 66 books of the Bible. Yes, pastors and teachers and preachers and counselors and the like, they help us in applying that good in our individual and our corporate lives. But the good we are called to, it's in here. I've said this before. I'm not pursuing justice because it's trendy. Not pursuing justice because it's novel, but because God calls me to it. I'm not pursuing love of people from other nations simply because I work for New City, but because God calls me to it. I'm not pursuing personal piety, reverence to God in my thoughts and behavior simply because I read a book on it, but because God calls me to it. Trust me, I am sufficiently selfish in my flesh. I am tempted to hold on to all I have, so I'm not pursuing generosity for any other reason other than it's in the Word of God. So what I'm, when I'm trying to sharpen my practice of justice, I turn to the Word. When I'm trying to get better 
at loving those who are not like me. I turn to the Word. When I'm trying to understand what godliness looks like in my parenting or in my being a husband or a son or a brother or whatever else God has called me to, I turn to the Word. And I turn there because it's not what I think is good that is good, but what God says is good that is good. Let me tell you what the call is here. It's to search out the Scriptures, search the Scriptures, to understand those good works that God has called us to walk in, to let the Scriptures guide us and what we should be doing together as God's people, and then to commit ourselves to walking in those things. And we need to be honest with ourselves as the church and acknowledge that we have often been lopsided in our pursuit of the good works that God calls us to walk in. Some of us love the work of doctrinal purity, yet we are failing in the good work of doing justice. Some of us love dotting our theological I's and crossing our theological T's. We love that good work. We love the good work of explaining and understanding and, and, and uh, the Scriptures, but some of us are doing a poor job of walking in that other good work, which is justice. Some of us are committed to the good work of promoting order in the church, but we are failing in the good work of promoting unity. across racial and ethnic lines. We know how to do everything decently and in order, but we don't know how to welcome people who don't look like us. Y'all do know that's in the Word of God, right? Receiving and welcoming people from other nations. You know that's a biblical thing, right? Okay. All I'm saying is that in some places, we are incomplete and immature as a body because we have majored in the good works we love and minored in the good works we do not. You got me? But completeness comes from pursuing not just some good works, but all the good works that God has created us for. Listen to the Apostle Paul again. What is the Scripture for? That the man of God may be what? Complete. Thoroughly equipped for what? Some good works? The good works you like? The good works that make you feel good? What works? All of them. Every good work. And if that's, his, if that's his desire, if that's, the, if, that, if, that's the, if that's what the Word of God does for you individually, guess what? It does the same thing for us corporately. All I'm saying is this. We don't get to pick and choose what makes us complete. The good works were prepared when? Beforehand that we should walk in them. And God is the one who has determined what those good works are. And our call is to be faithful 
to walking in those good works God has called us to individually and corporately as a church. The Scripture is God-breathed because it comes from Him. The Scripture is profitable for building us up as disciples of Christ, and it is purposeful in that it makes us complete as the people of God for every good work that God has called us to. And so the call here is to search out the Scriptures, to understand the good works that He has called us to. And I want to tell you this morning, joining in gospel ministry in Southeast Grand Rapids as a biblically faithful church means trusting the Word of God as the final rule of our faith and practice as a church. In the context of Paul's words to Timothy, it means believing the Bible is the Word of God, that it is profitable for ministry, and that it is toward the purpose of building us up in those good works that God calls us to. May God continue to empower us by His Spirit to remain rooted in the Word of God in our life and in our ministry together here at New City Fellowship. Amen, people of God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Let me pray for us. Father, we do come to You. We do submit our lives to You individually and we submit our lives to You corporately. And we ask, Lord, for the power of the Spirit to believe that this Word that You have given us is from You, that the Scriptures are God-breathed. We pray that You would give us faith to believe that the Word of God is profitable, that through it we are built up into the disciples that You are calling us to be. And we pray that You would enable us to believe, to trust that the Word of God makes us complete equipped for every good work. Show us, Lord, by the power of your Spirit, how to walk in faithfulness to this Word that you have given to us. We pray and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.